Segment number two of episode 12, season three. This one is the story of Stanley Secretaro. Now this, I just wanted to talk about what happened on July 18th, 1998 in Tuojile, New Mexico, when four relatives were murdered by this guy, Stanley Secretaro. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this, because, you know, I've, I've been wanting to talk about it for a while now. Um, and this is um, where you know, the true crime theme that I got going on for episode 12 comes in handy because, um, with this rise of murders going on, on the Navajo nation, um, back in 1998, I was, um, I was, uh, where was I? Oh, I was in Tuojale, New Mexico. And, um, and on that night, July 18th, there was a guy, uh, Stanley Secretaro, he ended up shooting his uh, family members, and then when the daytime came up, I guess uh, there was all these cops and um, stuff like that. Me and my late older brother, we were going into Albuquerque, and uh, we saw all these cops, and um, uh, and they <laughs> and it's funny because when we were about to get on I forty, there were some cops right there, and they they wanted to check our IDs. I was like, ID, what the hell's wrong with you, man? So anyways, we showed him, uh, um, I had my high school ID, so I, I showed it to them. And then, um, uh, the guy just told us, go ahead and go. And then we just kind of looked at each other, like what the hell's going on? And then we, when we got into Albuquerque, we stopped by one of the relatives place and, um, his, his, my brother told him, he's like, cause my, our, our, our cousin, he was making jewelry at the time. And then uh, we came cruising up and my brother told him, he's like, Al, Al, something happened in Tuojale. Turn on the TV. And then it said, I, I wasn't right there at that moment, but he said that uh, poor uh, Mr. Al there, he uh, he just like dropped his jewelry, kind of like a cartoon, you know, left his uh, ring spinning in midair. And for a chubby little fat Navajo man, he he managed to make make it up the steps to his trailer within like, a few bounds like Superman, you know, he just, he was already inside the house and they turned on a uh, television. And then, um, at that time there was, um, uh, there was a helicopter up in the air and it showed this dirt road that, um, it's kind of like behind the, uh, chapter house. And, um, there was a, a person laying there dead, you know, and there was uh, another, I think there was a, a truck, and so I guess Alvin was just freaking out and he's like, Oh, I know who that is. And that, you know, that person and this person. And, and so it was kind of shocked to the community. And then later on that afternoon, um, the FBI, the Navajo nation and state cops and whatever, they, um, they chased or tracked down Stanley, uh, on the West side of, uh, the Tuojale community up on this Mesa. And, the uh, news reporters, they were showing him standing up there and they were like, yeah, he has a high powered rifle. And it was just a 22, you know, 22 rifle, but, um, it, it done some damage and it, and, and he, you know, he killed his family. So, um, right there, he should have just shot his way out. You know, he, he should have just went out in a blaze of glory, but he went out like a punk little bitch because, uh, he surrendered and, he got taken to jail and got sentenced and all that stuff and got sent to prison. But what happened that night before was, um, 
I was at my brother's uh, place and I was going to walk back, you know, this, the sun went down at this time and it was, uh, I guess it rained that day and it was still muddy in some areas. So I just told my brother, Oh, I'm going to go walk back to the house. You know, um, you know, so the house for my, where my brother was living to where our dad was staying or where our dad lives. Um, that's about a good, I don't know, two mile, two and a half mile walk. And I got, you know, I got used to it. So I was like, all right, well, you know, so that night I took off on the other side of the reservation there, I'd say about a good, maybe four miles south of where I was walking. Um, that Stanley Secretaro started his, um, his murder spree. And the reason why all that had started was because his, one of his brothers and maybe his older brother was, um, was wanted by, you know, the Albuquerque police, I think it was. So the family had turned him in cause there was a reward for him. I don't know, like $2,500 or something. So he had all these outstanding warrants and stuff like that. So the family turned in that brother and that's where Stanley got pissed. So he loaded up his uh, rifle and, um, he was, he went to go, I don't know, get revenge, find out who turned in his brother. And then, um, I, I know that, um, you know, the later reports that came out, uh, one of them was he shot his uh, grandmother in back of the head and she was, um, sitting, sitting at the kitchen table. And I guess she was eating a bowl of soup and he walked up behind her with that rifle and boom, just got her right in the head and her. And when the cops found her, her face was inside that bowl of soup with, you know, blood obviously pulling around her. And then her husband, uh, I don't know if it was her husband or her brother or whoever, but the, the old granny, um, there was an old Che there, you know, and so Stanley shot him in back of the head too, when he was, um, I guess when he was sleeping, I think he shot the old man first because, uh, he knew his grandma couldn't hear. So he shot, I think he might've shot that old man first in a wheelchair. Then he went over to the old lady, shot her in back of the head at the kitchen table. And then, um, at some point he shot, I think, I don't know if it was his sister or his auntie, but she later died. But Oh no, it might've, so this is where I kind of forgot how the story went, but I think that the female who, who he shot, I think she huddled the kids into the closet and, and had them hide in there. Cause at this time they knew what he was up to. So, um, and then she went out there and tried to talk to him or went into the next room or living room or whatever, but he ended up shooting her and killing her. And then, um, I, I know he shot somebody else, but uh, the kids, their report later on was that they were in the closet and they were being all quiet and they were scared. You know, they, they seen their uncle, uh, Stanley with a, with a rifle. And I guess he was trying to look for the kids too, but he just didn't have time to look in the closet, I guess, you know, his adrenaline's running. Or I think what ended up happening was, um, uh, there was a female member of his family. It could have been his auntie or, or, or his sister. I don't remember, but, she was a big lady. She was a, um, a big fat lady. And, um, she jumped in the truck and tried to take off. And like I said, that, that day before it rained. So that place where they live behind the, uh, chapter house, uh, there's a big old rock formation and right there it gets real muddy. So she tried to go up the road in that truck and, um, and she couldn't, 
make it because I don't know what, whether the tires were bald or whatever. So she get out, she got out and she tried to run away and our keep in mind, she's a big girl. And, um, so what Stanley ended up doing was he, he shot at her a couple of rounds and, you know, not to be cruel or anything, but her fatness saved her, you know, it absorbed the bullets from hitting any major, you know, anything ma major inside her body. And so when she fell, he thought she was dead. So that, that then he went on to, I think he shot one more person, maybe his uncle or his other brother. I don't know what it was, but the, the big lady, she managed to get up and get help or whatever. And then by that time I was probably halfway walking towards my, my dad's house. But you know, that night I didn't hear any gunfire. I mean, how could you from five miles away, you know? And when the news of that hit that night, um, I, I guess, you know, by word of mouth and stuff like that, by midnight, my sisters were all freaking out. Cause they knew that I walked from my brothers to my, to our dad's place. And, you know, they're, they were kind of like all worried and concerned that, you know, possibly I might've gotten shot or I might've got hit in the crossfire or something, but in all truth, you know, I didn't even know that was going on in all truthfulness, you know, it's, just, but, um, even then, you know, it's just kind of, that's kind of a story where I was like, I was somewhat there. And I think about that, you know, time to time when I hear about, you know, someone in Clagato being murdered or shot, killed, stabbed, raped, um, frozen, or just anybody that's, uh, dead in either a natural or unnatural way. And so anyways, so the thing about, you know, Stanley is that, um, when he went to prison, um, if you know anything about prison, which I'm going to say this for the last, um, the fifth segment of the night is the, is death sentence and punishment. But, um, excuse me. Uh, he, he was pretty much, um, well known by that time in the, uh, New Mexico state correctional facilities. And, you know, he had pretty much a big target on his back, but that's where I kind of think about how, you know, stuff like this can, can happen, what can be triggered. And a lot of it, you know, I try to stay aware that if, um, if there's anyone that has a gun and they're trying to threaten people with, you know, that's where it's kind of, you know, it makes me think of how far are they actually going to get? And they could turn out to be a punk and just not give up. I mean, just give up and let the cops arrest them and shit like that. And it's like, if you're going to kill members of your family, you might as well, you know, turn a gun on yourself because what the prisoners and inmates have in store for you is going to be a whole lot more, more brutal than, you know, facing the court system and, you know, having to sit in an isolated jail cell and all that. So anyways, that's why when, um, these, when I hear about Navajo murders and crimes being committed as far as murders go, you know, it makes me wonder how, how well thought out are these guys plans that it just happened, you know, automatically. And they're just like, that was their, well, when they're drunk, yeah, I mean, that that's a given. They're going to, like, my, my one of my later older brothers, when he used to get drunk, he used to grab a knife and 
and try to cut us and stab us and shit like that. But, um, you know, when stuff like that happens, I just kind of wonder, you know, how far are these guys really willing to take it? Because once that adrenaline and everything dies down, you know, no pun intended, but when it all dies down and they come back to their natural state of mind, you know, at that point, that guilt and fear is probably going to wash over them so hard that they might as well just kill themselves anyways. And, um, and then when, um, like I said, the law enforcement is really no help, especially the FBI, because they're, they're not, they don't want to talk about it. And even at the chapter meetings for Clagato, we really, that's something that's not brought up. And only, I, I remember the only one time anything remotely close to murders was brought up was this veteran. He was, he was kind of afraid of during that Las Vegas, um, shooting that happened where, you know, this guy was supposedly shooting at concert goers and, um, from across the street, but there was like more than one gunshot. And then just out of convenience, he shot himself when the FBI got there. It's like, mm, I don't know that, that all that story didn't really add up to me, but you know, some people did lose their lives, but at that time, that's when this veteran says, what are we going to do if we have mass shooters? Is the, does the chapter house, does the chapter house have a protocol for that? And at the time, the chapter president says, well, you know, shit, just do your best to duck and cover because we ain't got anything like that. So, um, if anything like that ever happens out here in Clagato, you know, hopefully the neighbors can be relied on to just lock and load and, you know, get rid of the threat right there, you know, but that's, uh, that's really a judgment call on, um, whoever is aware of it, whoever sees it. And, um, you know, so it's, it's going to be a really touchy subject and stuff like that. But anyways, that's what happened with, uh, Stanley Secretaro. And that's what happened that night. I walked back to my dad's place. So I just wanted to bring that up because, um, it's like I said, it's all part of this, uh, true crime theme I got going on for this podcast. But now that I finally got that out of my system, let's go ahead and talk about subject number three, Pueblo bodily dismemberment killer, which I believe is going to be a really interesting subject, even though I did try to do research, but, um, yeah, I'll go ahead and get to it. And then on a, on a different note, punky wonky is here. Crazy punky wonky. Uh, She's hungry, so I got to feed her, but I'll do it after a podcast. Blah, blah, blah.